The federal public sector has grown threefold since Justin Trudeau was elected in 2015, with record growth reported last year. While the NDP government in Manitoba is pausing its fuel tax, Alberta has reinstated the tax at a lower rate after a lengthy pause. Ontario's NDP is pushing for the progressive conservatives to create a plan for free contraceptives for all ages. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, January 3rd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Lindsay Shepard. And I'm Isaac Lamaru. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Under Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, jobs in the federal public sector have seen threefold growth since he was first elected in 2015, with record growth being reported last year. Additionally, more public servants changed positions, resigned, or were investigated than in any other period under Trudeau. The Public Service Commission of Canada's annual report revealed that the federal public service grew to 274,218 employees by the end of the last fiscal year on March 31st, 2023. According to the report, there was an increase of 6.5% year over year and a cumulative growth of 40.4% more than at the end of the 2014 to 2015 fiscal year. Figures from the Treasury Board of Canada Secretariat corroborate the report, revealing that certain departments and agencies not included in the tally also grew by 30% over the same period hitting a record number of 357,247 additional employees. The government hired 71,000 external employees throughout the 2022 to 2023 fiscal year, an increase of almost 10% from the previous year. The report also noted that 59.3% of external hires and internal promotions last year were done through non-advertised processes. Since 2014 to 2015, the share of promotions and new hires that were conducted without advertised postings increased by 21.7%. Isaac, is this part of Trudeau's job creation plan? While the private sector suffers due to high taxes, inflation, and red tape, um, the public sector is flourishing at the cost of taxpayers? Yeah, that might be part of it, Lindsay, but I, I don't know. I think it's even more than that. As you know, I'm sure Trudeau has added more debt than all other prime ministers combined. Yes, as hard as it is to imagine. Trudeau has added more debt between 2015-16 uh, uh, and now around $650 billion than all other previous prime ministers since 1867 combined, which was about $630 billion. A result of this has been Canada's national debt doubling to $1.2 trillion from the $620 billion or so it was when Trudeau took office. And it's expected, of course, to further climb to $1.4 trillion by 2028. So, Lindsay, that is to say that this federal government has a spending problem. It doesn't matter how you slice it. The bloated public sector has led to more jobs, no doubt. But I'm curious, Lindsay, do you think it's led to better service for Canadians? Well, that's the crux of it, isn't it? And Erin um, Woodrick, who is with the McDonald Laurier Institute think tank, he said it perfectly. You know, we have 40 percent more people in government. So, you know, the citizen taxpayer point of view is, am I getting 40% faster service? And Aaron Woodrick said, I don't think most people feel that value for money. And it does remind me, Isaac, of the summer of 2022. This is the time when no one could get a passport. 
Um, there were major delays. People were lining up for hours. They were camping out in front of passport offices. And the government was trying to say that this is because everyone was apparently applying for a passport after um, they denied people travel due to lockdowns and mandates. Um, but yet, Passport Canada employees after that still got their bonuses. And I'm sure it's the same for other departments. You know, let's think about Immigration Canada. Yeah, they have backlogs, but also my concern would be more so that the number of people they're letting in are contributing to a crumbling of, you know, housing affordability, healthcare services, social services in Canada. And yet I'm sure those people get massive bonuses, even though they're contributing to the crumbling of the country. Another interesting tidbit from this report, Isaac, is that they said compared with the previous year, the number of hires self-declaring as disabled, indigenous, or members of a visible minority increased by 36%, 10.7%, and 22.2% respectively. Manitobans can expect to see even cheaper prices at the pump as the provincial government unveils its plan to temporarily pause its fuel tax. The provincial government wasted no time in the new year, revealing that it would pause the tax as part of its promise to provide economic relief to residents. In contrast, Premier Daniel Smith faces public backlash for her decision to reinstate Alberta's provincial fuel tax in a reduced form after a lengthy pause. Albertans now have to pay $0.09 cents per litre in fuel taxes as opposed to the previous rate of $0.13 cents per litre. The Alberta Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, Chris Sims, joined True North's Andrew Lawton to discuss Alberta's tax reinstatement, which came into effect on the first day of 2024. Now, technically, yes, it was tied to the price of a barrel of oil. And when they announced the fuel tax suspension, they said, hey, if the price of oil drops below a certain threshold, we're going to partially uh, reimpose this tax. So that's the math part. But the politics part a year ago is when the premier announced why she was doing this. And the why matters here. She said she was doing this because people were struggling to afford the basics, because inflation was still a huge problem, and because Prime Minister Trudeau is obsessed with increasing his federal carbon tax. So she saw this as kind of a shield against Ottawa. None of that stuff has changed. In fact, it's getting worse. Trudeau is going to jack up the carbon tax in just a few weeks' time. Mm -hmm. But inexplicably, the Treasury bureaucrats in Edmonton have gotten a hold of Nate Horner, the finance minister, and whispered something into his ear, and they've now increased it. It's up to nine cents per liter. So for the first time in a year, Albertans are not paying the lowest fuel taxes in all of Canada. That title is actually now in Manitoba with the NDP premier, Wab Canoe. Minister of Finance Nate Horner defended Alberta's policy in a statement released on Tuesday. Horner wrote, quote, As a stable component of Alberta's revenue mix, the fuel tax helps fund programs and services Albertans rely on while maintaining our significant tax advantage. Albertans will continue to save four cents per litre on gas and diesel in the first three months of 2024. After that, Albertans will save some or all of the provincial fuel tax when West Texas intermediate crude prices average $80 per barrel or higher in each quarterly review period. Horner said that another update will be provided before the next quarter ends on March 31st, 2024. Lindsay, how are other provinces handling the fuel tax at a time when Canadians are struggling to make ends meet, let alone fuel their cars? Isaac, in Ontario, the provincial government has decided to prolong the reduction in the gas tax until June. 
Um, so this allows motorists to keep benefiting from a nine cent per liter discount. Um, in BC and Saskatchewan, opposition parties are requesting a gas tax reduction, but the respective provincial governments have opted not to implement such measures. So, Lindsay, do you think this is a major blow to Albertans? Should the Smith government reconsider the fuel tax? Well, Chris Sims from the Canadian Taxpayer Federation, who you mentioned, um, she noted that the province of Alberta has a $5.5 billion surplus after a year of not collecting this tax. And the province has agreed to use 50% of its cash surplus toward paying down the province's debt. So Alberta could use this surplus to pay down debt, to keep the tax off, and they would still have more than a $1 billion surplus by budget time. Um, and Chris Sims also mentioned that this temporary tax relief measure led to Albertans saving um, $10 when filling up a minivan. So every time that you fill up, um, $15 when filling up a pickup truck, and about $130 for a trucker filling up a big rig. So um, these savings added up to about $100 million a month province-wide. Yeah, another interesting thing, Lindsay, was you obviously you touched on the math side of it. And that's what Chris Sims said was that there were two parts mathematically, which it doesn't add up because they could afford to keep this tax off. And then politically, which she said it doesn't really add up either because when the Alberta government initially removed this tax, they said it was because of cost of living and inflation, which as Sims noted, still exist or have gotten worse. Ontario's NDP and other advocates are pushing for the progressive conservatives to create a plan for free contraceptives for all ages. While the Ontario Health Insurance Plan, OHIP, covers prescription contraceptives for those under the age of 24, advocates believe that it should be covered beyond that, especially for those on family benefits plans who want to take birth control without the knowledge of their parents or spouse. NDP leader Merritt Stiles said, quote, this saves money in the long run on the healthcare system and in social services. I think we need to broaden it out and realize that people's reproductive life is a lot longer than that, referring to the age of 24. British Columbia became the first province to cover all contraceptive expenses for all ages, including the intrauterine device, or IUD, which can cost up to $500. Manitoba NDP Premier Wab Canoe has promised to do the same for his province in 2024. In Ontario, the NDP are pressuring the progressive conservatives to create a similar plan under OHIP that would cover the cost of all forms of contraception. So far, Doug Ford's PC government has not agreed to support it, saying that there are already several programs that cover prescriptions for adults under the age of 24. There is also the Trillium drug program, which alleviates the cost of expensive prescription drugs for some patients. Isaac, would you say this is a pressing priority for Ontarians right now, or is this just another example of a small group of vocal activists getting their way? What's your take? Yeah, Lindsay, whenever it comes to anything within the realm of healthcare for me, I think that every single Canadian, not just those in Ontario, probably have bigger concerns. For example, our wait times and services across the country are pretty awful. Obviously, we see small activist groups trying to implement short-sighted goals that might have a negative effect in the long term. Do you think that this is one of those cases and could these efforts and money be uh, better spent elsewhere? It's a tricky issue, Isaac, because even the executive director of Planned Parenthood Toronto said that, unfortunately, what she's seeing is that when these women pass the age of 24, if they don't have contraceptive coverage, 
then sometimes abortion itself becomes a form of birth control. So that's what she said. And a lot of people already know that abortion is being used in that way. And so, you know, you can have qualms with the way these free contraceptive programs are going about. But in the end, if we want abortion to be reduced, then, you know, you have to ask yourself, is this something I kind of need to get on board with? Because I would hope that once individuals are, you know, in their 20s, 24 and above, they would have the sense to only be intimate with people who they are actually okay theoretically having children with. And I'm talking about men and women. Um, and then also, I've heard people talk about how in high school, the sexual education program is like all about preventing pregnancy. But then suddenly you get to an age in your life where you're like, oh, actually, I want to have children. Um, and then you need to go on this whole journey about learning about fertility um, you know, what affects your fertility. And again, this is for men and women. There are, you know, things in the natural environment that affect your fertility. Um, you know, how can I take charge of my fertility in a way where I don't need to take pills or have some sort of hormonal interference in my body? So you would hope that people would want to learn about those things. But yeah, in the end, you know, we can have these kind of qualms with it. But if we want to reduce abortion and reduce the amount of people who are using abortion as a form of birth control, then maybe it's something we have to get on board with. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Bye.